Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. In this message, our mission partner, Don Biggie, is going to give us an update on ministry happening in Russia. On top of that, he's going to teach us how we can overflow with gratitude into others. Enjoy the message. I haven't even really been able to figure out how to express my gratitude this morning. You know, it's going to be less of a, of a sermon on the subject of gratitude, but rather me just being grateful up here. Is that okay? A lot of things, a lot of things that I I want to express to you. First of all, from my wife Jackie and me, you guys have been, we've been an extension of your church for somewhere around 18 years now in different ways, different places. And uh, I just want to thank you. I want to express my gratitude to you for being so encouraging, for being so prayerful and generous with us. You've kept us out there in the field. You've kept us in Russia in Ecuador, and locally too, some things I want to show you that I'm just so grateful for as times are very weird right now. So personally, I just want to say thanks, Kenosha City Church. Uh, I just love you and appreciate you so much. Very deeply grateful. But I'm also very grateful. What I want to share with you today are the things that I've had the chance to see. You know, more than anything, I'm not so convinced The Lord wants us to run out and initiate works that only he can do, but rather to send us out where he's working, let us see it, let us behold the beauty of it, and then come back and say, wow, I was so blessed. I'm so grateful to have had the chance to see God at work doing what only he can do in people's lives. That's how I feel about gratitude and about the work of the Lord these days. So... 2,000 years ago, Jesus was getting ready to teach the 12 and, and more others a lesson that would make them forever grateful. But he wanted to make sure that they understood what they were supposed to be grateful for. I'm going to read some verses here. I would just encourage you to kind of drift back 2,000 years and try to picture Jesus as he's getting ready to release his first mission team. There were 70 people. He was going to send them out in pairs. Just try to picture this as I read from Luke 10. I'm going to start at verse 1. Then I want to talk to you a little bit about how these verses have just come to life so much in the last year or so uh, for my ministry. It says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes. Greet no one on the way. And whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving around from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, 
and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You'll be brought down to Hades. The one who listens to you listens to me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Listen now, folks. Don't rejoice in this. Don't be grateful for this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice, be grateful that your names are recorded in heaven. Thank you, Lord. And that very time he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And here's the key verse right here. Turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I say to you that many prophets and kings wished to see the things which you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. So folks, this update that I want to give you is kind of threefold. One of them has to do with a, a corporate chaplaincy that I've been involved in the last couple of years since I last saw you. Secondly, I want to give you a report and some good news of things that are happening in Russia right now amongst our leaders there. And then thirdly, I'm fresh off the plane from Ecuador. And, and that's the stuff I want to talk to you about what, how blessed my eyes were and how grateful I am to have the chance to see God do these amazing things out there in the world. So I don't have any slides on this, but there's a, there's a company that sells RVs. It's called Cunis. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. But I live in Fond du Lac, and these guys assigned to me six stores. The company has 44 stores, and they're owned by a wonderful, born-again, spirit-filled believer named Greg Cunis. And he has a team of nine of us who are chaplains. And I have six stores I'm responsible for, about 210 people. So every Tuesday and Wednesday, I hop in my car and I pray my way from store to store and just avail myself to the people who are techs working under the campers or they're selling campers or working in the office someplace. But it's like stepping into the world. You don't have to be Christian to work here. You have to be qualified with your skills. But 
I get to do this. I, I am so grateful. I get to walk in with the authority of the owner of the place. He, he's got a cross on the buildings, and he's got Christian music, which drives everybody nuts, inside, playing inside the stores. If you want to work there, he'll pay you well, but you have to look. You can't miss the cross, and you've got to listen to the music, okay? So I'm watching some groups get planted, seeing some people come to Christ. I'm, I'm getting ready to do some weddings. Um, I walk in and I never quite know what to expect. But, but I was told, just go in for a while and try and make some friends with people who have no concept of God at all. So I have this little beagle. His name is Charlie. If you're older, you appreciate the fact that I call him Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> because he goes with me. And this little guy can do things that I can't do. As a puppy, he can jump up on people and he can slurp their face. And as a chaplain, I can't do that stuff. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't. That's why Charlie comes along. Sometimes that's exactly what people need. But please pray for that chaplaincy with Cunis. I might be getting a couple more stores here locally. And it's just really, uh, really keeping me busy. But I'm so grateful. It came along at a time when pandemic and then war shut Russia down. That's heartbreaking, you know. But I've got this opportunity to mingle among and share the good news with these folks at Kunis. And your support, your help, thank you. You're the, you're the ones who are helping me be able to go out the front door and drive to these places and share the good news with these people. Let me give you a Russia update. Okay. About four years ago, I think it was, I'd recruited Pastor Andy and some other, other local pastors to come to Russia with me. And so I told them we're going to go to St. Petersburg and we're going to go there to encourage and pray with pastors and their churches. We're going to encourage them there. And uh, I told them that the, that the key man who we're going to be working with, who we're going to see, who's going to lead us around is a guy named Sasha Krukov. And we call him Golden because of the color of his hair. So, you know, in Russia, every other guy is named Sasha. So you say, hey, Sasha, about eight people come running. So we call him Golden. Anyway, this is somebody who uh, Pastor Andy got to meet. I didn't get to go. Uh, I, I slipped at home and I broke my foot. And I was off my foot for two months. I couldn't go. But I had really good national leaders, Dennis Bernas and a number of others in St. Petersburg, waiting for your Samaria pastors here who went to that place. Well, Golden Sasha, his life story began in St. Petersburg when Cornerstone Church there found him laying by the river. He was strung out, he was addicted, and, you know, the poor guy had been in an automobile accident, started taking some meds for the pain and got addicted. He was all alone laying there down by the river and these folks from the church found him and brought him in and, and helped him to, to go through detox and, and to rehab him. Well, later on, the Spirit of God really, really awakened in Golden Sasha and it was his walk with the Holy Spirit that convinced him with the training he was getting at this rehab home to go down to the city of Kursk and plant a church and another rehab home. This ministry called Cornerstone, what they do is they, they open up rehab homes in cities where addiction is a big problem. There are no rehab homes. There's no churches. Nothing. Can you imagine that? Zero. 
And so they start by opening a rehab home using the leadership of someone who had just recovered. So the leaders are like Golden Sasha. He got some Bible training. He recovered from his addictions. He went to Kursk, planted a church and a rehab home. Usually they start with the rehab home and the rehab homes become churches. So we've seen that happen about 120 times now in Russia, mostly out in Siberia. And the beauty of it is that the rehab home asks the families of the addicts to help financially to bring their son or daughter or whatever back to health again. And so they, they charge for that service, not a lot, but they, they, they find a facility to rent, they get mattresses and toothbrushes and a couple of goats and, and Bibles and they bring these men and women in and in seven months they've gone through the Bible four times. That's it. It's, it's the word of God in their lives. So I went to a conference there. I got to talk to about 500 people. Imagine this. I'm at a conference of 500 people. Nobody in the room had known the Lord more than five years. They were all that new to the faith. Of the pastors of the 120 churches, all but two had been through rehab. All but two. Make sense? So they think that's normal. They, they think what's happening, what God is doing, is just normal stuff, you know, that the Lord does. And it is. It is the normal stuff that the Lord had in mind. It's what we just read from Luke 10. It's the stuff that Jesus has planned, the places he plans to go, the, plan, the, the places where people are going to speak in his name so that they could hear his voice and experience his healing and his salvation. So th there's an amazing work going on out there in Siberia with his group. The coolest thing for me is that I've been working among an unreached people group called the Buryats, the Buryat people in southern Siberia for many years. And now the Cornerstone people who have churches only about four hours north of where this valley is with these, this ethnic people group have taken that responsibility and are going down into Buryatia now to share the gospel and, and reach addicts. They're discovering that same approach is working really well. Uh, I've got a partner there named Pavel Skrelnikov and his wife, Anya. That's a good report to be able to give you guys. Now, that guy with him is my buddy Eric. And you might be wondering how it is he's standing with Golden here three months ago in Kursk, Russia. How is it that he could be doing that? So Eric has been a guy... Have any of you mentored people before? You, you've had a mentor? You, you know, you put an arm around somebody, you just walk through life with them. And you pour into them and you give them life, give them everything you've got. Well, that's who Eric has been in my life. He lives in Boise, Idaho. And boy, is he a sharp guy. He used to fly jets off of aircraft carriers. Then after he got done with that, he went and learned the Russian language so he could listen in on conversations for the government. He plays the guitar. He's a wonderful worship leader. He's got all this stuff going. He still has all of his hair, and he's 25 years younger than I am. So I'm thinking this would be a really good guy to, to raise up and to mentor. And so Eric had this visa and his passport, and it, it said that he could go there. He, I, I can get in. Well, there were no North Americans there three months ago, folks. Trust me. But he decided to fly into a city called Tallinn and Estonia, and he got on a bus, and somehow they, they let him in. 
Now, how do, you, how do you explain that? Anybody here want to explain that other than just thank you, God? So grateful, Lord, that you orchestrate all things, that you can overcome all our enemies, stomp on our enemies, and just go where you send us. That's cool. Now, the mission agency that Eric was at, with at the time fired him because he had decided to do this. They didn't feel right about him doing this at this point. I kind of understand, but Eric got in there. Because he knows the language, he hopped on trains and he went from St. Petersburg to Moscow to Kursk, Volgograd, and Penza, five places where I've got partners. And I tasked him with this. I said, would you please give, give this letter, personal letter, to each of the key families who I just miss and love so much over there because of pandemic and war, you know. And I, I sent a whole boatload of Door County coffee with him. Russians really also like chocolate-covered espresso beans. You ever had those? Be careful with those. <laughs> Be careful. They're dangerous. So Eric sent me videos, and each video was him standing in the kitchen or the dining room with a dear friend of mine over this last 20 years. And they looked at the camera, and they said, Oh, Don, you know, those were the, those were the best years when you were bringing 20, 30 people in here, and we were sharing the gospel in the streets and in the schools and in hospitals and making disciples and planting churches and all that. We know you can't be here now, but we love you. And so I have these five videos. They're, they're like, they're like this, the artwork my granddaughter does for me. Penelope does artwork for me. You never throw those things away. They're too precious. It's the same thing here. So Eric is back. He got back safely. Now, it wasn't without some difficulty. This is where I would ask you to pray, please. There's always 100 eyes on you in Russia. There, there was, we had that problem back when I was there, but especially now. He gets back to St. Petersburg to leave the country to go back to Estonia, and they were waiting for him there. And so there was a three-hour you know, interrogation that was pretty stiff. They were very professional, but what they wanted from him was, where did you go? Who did you see? We want the addresses and we want the phone numbers. You need to give us that information. And Eric said, you have that information. You know right where I was. You were watching me every minute. What they were testing him for was to see if he'd be honest. That, that's what was really going on there. Our greatest concern right now, Russian leaders who receive anything in the way of finances or training or help from anybody in Western Europe or North America are very strongly persecuted. So there's a very good chance that all five of the places he went got visits from the authorities. That's really breaking Eric's heart right now, you know. But I'm so proud of him. We've reconnected since he got home. Um, our Russian national friends are standing strong. They got to go underground a little bit again. But I want to tell you guys, if you ever had a chance to meet them, if I could ever get one of them here to share with you, you'd see how much they love Jesus. For me, the, the, the privilege of knowing them as my brothers and sisters is something for which I'm eternally grateful. I'm grateful for the national partners we have and that he's developed over the years. They're dear friends. So I, I want to say to you, Lord, thank you for the privilege of knowing these wonderful Russian people. He, uh, he successfully got to every place that I hoped he'd make it to. And so that's quite miraculous if you ask me. I love God's miracles. Love them. Love them when God moves powerfully and it can't be explained any other way. Okay. 
So I just got back from Ecuador. Now, 17, 18 years ago, when I first became familiar with this church, this church sent people to Ecuador with me. I went there about 20 times. My heart was for Russia. The reason I was going to Ecuador was because I, I needed to learn some things about building, leading, training, managing teams in the field. And so my agency said Ecuador would be a good place for that because our national director for Ecuador lives in Fort Atkinson, so he's close by. So I got to go about 20 times and just really fell in love with people. But I, I just got back, and I'm once again so grateful. I, I feel like the Luke 10 passage I just read for you are, are the verses that we interacted with in, in real time when we were there. And you'll see a couple of those verses pop up here. But this guy behind me, Jose Ceballos, in verse 2 it says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, our, into the harvest. Can you see Jesus just kind of daring people here? This is basically what he's saying. He says, I'm the Lord of the harvest, and the harvest is worldwide. It's huge. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. What a wonderful assignment I'm giving to every Christian. But there aren't enough workers. There needs to be more workers. So ask me, the Lord of the harvest, for them. So the very one who would provide the workers is the very one who dared everybody to ask him. And over the years, one of the things I'm really grateful for, after 80 trips to Russia and 20 to Ecuador, that I've never had anything but really solid, large teams. And I will confess to you that every single one of those people was sent by the Lord of the harvest himself. I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who can talk people into spiritual things. That takes the Spirit of God to do that. And Jose is one of the really cool, cool ones. He's just a very real guy. And what he wants to do is come here and talk to you. Would that be okay? I want to bring Jose here to talk to you guys. Because the reason I'm back in Ecuador is because I wanted to bring Russians there. Russia's hard ground. And, and the people there by nature are really grumpy. Really grumpy. It takes a while for them to put on a smile and to, and to start to trust you and to call you friend. Uh, it just, it just that, that's the way it is. That's the way culture is. But there's something going on in Ecuador that I simply wanted their eyes to be blessed to see. It's called a church planting movement. You ever heard of one of those? CPM, church planting movement. A church planting movement takes place when churches start to reproduce and then multiply spontaneously and there's no way to explain it. It, it just explodes. It isn't because someone has the right curriculum or the right best practices. It has nothing to do with human agency. It's the Spirit of God deciding to multiply the church everywhere. Simple churches. At the very center of these churches is Jesus Christ, right? And what he said. Love God with your all. Love other people the way you love yourself. And make disciples. That's your part. I'll get the churches built. And that's what's happened. So back in 2007... I was in Porto Viejo with Pastor Ceballos, really hoping and wishing I'd get some of my Russian friends there. And then it all just becomes impossible. So I started going back to Ecuador about two years ago. And uh, said, Pastor, how are you? Jose, how you doing? It's wonderful to see you. How's your family? Well, you know, 
This is a man who used to be a prison warden. And uh, then he went and got his law degree. And he decided, he, he determined that the Lord wanted to plant a church on the side of a dusty mountain, Puerto Viejo, Ecuador, city of about 300,000 people. So this church gets going. So what's happened in the 15 years, 14 years since I last saw you? And he said, well, I can't explain it, but our one church became 70 churches. I said, what what do you mean? He said, I I don't know how to explain it. And I, I can't tell you what we did because there's no way of explaining it in those terms. He said, we're just so grateful to have seen People come to Christ and, and little faithful people get into bamboo buildings with you know, their own fashioned benches and praise the Lord from the heart with so much joy. You know, th- there's this rippling movement going on that is purely a move of the, of the Spirit. And if you're not careful as a well-meaning Western missionary, you can get in the way. I mean, the last thing in the world you want to do is get in the way. So what's your role? Go see. Go see it. Go behold it. See what's going on. And then report to everybody the wonderful things you've had the chance to see God do. That's the point of this passage. It brings up incredible gratitude. And so that's Jose. He's, uh, he's my, my key partner down there. And there's a lot more of that future-wise coming until the door opens to bring Russian friends there. Okay. These are other nationals who are very dear to me. You cannot work internationally if you're not living in the country you're serving without being fluent in the language. And in in this case, we've developed teams of interpreters over the years. A lot of times, they weren't believers when we met them, but they were learning English at universities and things. This is the Mendoza family. Norris on the lower left is the mom of these three kids standing and granddaughter Daniela sitting. Now, please pray for Marcelo. Marcelo's confused, he's lost, he's got problems with addiction, his family's brokenhearted over what's going on with him. But Karina and Andre Ina, who are sisters, are among the best interpreters we've ever had the chance to work with. Uh, They have groups of women who they're meeting with in their homes. In Ecuador, it's not unusual at all for for home churches to be led by spirit-filled women with lots of women coming and going in and out of the houses. There aren't a lot of uh, obstacles like, you know, big buildings and all the things that come with having a, a facility like we do here. But again, this for church planting movements to happen, guys like Carlos or uh, Jose and these guys, indigenous leadership is the key. It's a key element of movement happening. And so it almost makes you wonder, you know, what are we even here for? They need to be encouraged. They need to be told that God has his precious eyes on them and that they matter to the Lord. You guys matter to the Lord. Be grateful for who you are in God's sight, your identity, what he's done for you, that your name's written in the book of life. Be exceedingly over the top, overflowing with gratitude for what he's done for you. That's what these guys are like too. And it fuels these movements of church planting churches everywhere. When my team was there, we were only seven people. They had nine churches for us to encourage in the time that we were there. And like I said, only seven of us. And we wanted to go out in pairs, you know, kind of like the scripture says here. 
Um, we, we went hard at it 12 hours a day, and the baby on our team was my 59-year-old little brother. So we were tired. Anyway, let's go to the next one. That's, that's my little bro, Tim, on the right, and Bill, his friend from church. And uh, it says here, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was to come. That's Karina, one of the um, Mendoza family interpreters. This woman really knows and loves uh, the English language, loves the Lord. Um, she has a Facebook page where she, she's a little thing. She holds up this big Bible and she teaches on Facebook to anybody who will listen. Got a huge heart for God. But I wanted you to know that our team split up into sub-teams of two, went out with interpreters and national leaders who could keep an eye on things. Crime is kind of on the rise in Ecuador right now. Okay. So that first Sunday morning, we all split up and went different places to worship. And that's quite a, that's quite a privilege. Um, these guys are extremely expressive. I have an evangelical free church background. You know what evangelical free church people do when they get excited? They grunt. You ever heard one of those in a, in a pew? They go, uh, mm. That means they're really psyched up, really, really excited right now. Uh, oh, wow, that person must be getting filled, overflowing. It's a lot of fun. But these guys, I tell you, I want to tell you what happened. This was all orchestrated. Maybe you guys should think about this. I don't know. It might be an idea. First, I'm standing right in the front of my church, and... <clears throat> The first song is going, and everybody's going like this. They're all going back and forth, kind of looking around. Everybody's doing the same thing. Wow, that's cool. Then here comes the second song. This is the second song. Everybody's doing this. I'm thinking, oh, no, where's this going? <laughs> song number three, they're all doing this. And they're all half my height, you know, little, little people. Fourth song is spinning circles. How many of you would do that? You would do it? Excellent. They have these long, pretty dresses, the ladies, you know, they grab the hem of their dress and they spin beautifully. Some of them can go 10, 15 minutes. I didn't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> you know, so I just stood there and the pastor said, spin, Pastor Don, spin, Pastor Don. I said, no, it's, that's all right. I'm just going to, I'm in the spirit right now. Everything's good. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You don't have to spin in circles to prove that you're grateful to the Lord. But we all had a chance to be called forward to share. And for many on our team, it's the first time they'd, been, they'd ever stood behind something like this. But you look out all these warm, wonderful, grateful faces to encourage them. It was a real privilege for many, including my little brother and his friend, Bill. First time for them. Okay. This isn't atypical at all. When a church starts, this is one of them right here. It's nice and clean inside, got some plastic chairs and benches, and they use the materials that are readily available to them. You know, when you walk in, they have beverages and a little bit of their, you know, local fruit, their local fare, and they're just so happy to see you. That you would make the effort to go that far just to see them cause gratitude to well up in them. But we're the ones who got to see what we got to see and overwhelm with gratitude. We don't know how to express that gratitude being back just a couple weeks. It's almost hard to explain, but that's not unusual for a place where people would meet. A lot of times, if it's even a smaller group, they meet in people's homes. Okay, next. So that's Jose at the head of the table and Norris. 
So what we did is we brought some of the local leaders together and talked about the week. Now, I'd been there two previous times in the last year to do discipleship training with them. So they just wanted to implement a lot of the stuff out on the streets, you know, in people's homes, the places where we're going to go to share the gospel, you know. The, the reason for the meeting is they didn't want anything bad to happen to us. So we're sitting there saying, we're, we're pretty much ready to go, but we don't want you North Americans to be unaware of what happens around here, especially around 5 p.m., how dangerous it gets. They're also there to train the Ecuadorians on how to feed us and how to give us liquids to keep us hydrated because uh, most of that will make you extremely sick, very, very ill if you're not careful. So they were getting trained along those lines and they did a very good job. We're getting to know one another here. And uh, yeah, now, the man in the red shirt is my mentor. I want to tell you guys that I was an ungrateful, burned out, fleshy man trying really hard to be a pastor of a church in Fond du Lac. I'd hit the wall, wanted to quit, just feeling empty. But I noticed one Sunday, a guy with his wife and two little kids, I didn't recognize him, I'd never seen him before. They're sitting in our church and he, they're smiling up at me and and uh, turns out that Randy here was working for Conway. He was a truck driver all his life. He just retired, 40-some years, driving a rig. And Randy came up to me and he said, do you want to grab a cup of coffee and just hang out, get to know each other a little bit? But nobody had ever asked me to do that. And uh, maybe they expected me, the pastor, to be doing more of that kind of thing. But Randy saw me as a possible brother and friend, so we did that. And we started meeting weekly. That started in 1998, and we've been meeting weekly ever since. Randy continues to be a man who can bring gratitude for God into my life by the way he pours God's encouragement into my life on a weekly basis. You know, you got wonderful staff here. Man, are they ever committed, sharp people. But I, I would ask you to ask the Lord, Lord, grant me the opportunity to pour into somebody's life where I can help them with everything, right where they're at. It's not rocket science, folks. And that's who Randy is. Randy is with the people he was going to work with for the week there. Um, I almost always have Randy with me on trips because sometimes, you know, one time back in December, we did discipleship training with 40 young people from six churches that had just got planted. And so we, ha we have some training that we do. And Randy was standing right here. You know who Barnabas is? You know who uh, Jonathan was to David? And to have a buddy like that, when I, when I would start to lose my place or stammer or get tired or whatever it might be, he said, hey, Don, why don't you take a breather and let me take it from here for a while? That's, that's the way Randy lives. I'm very grateful for him. A season in my life where I got to get healthy again spiritually. So I love bringing Randy and I love what he brings to small groups of people about what it means to be wholehearted followers of Christ. And uh, Randy had a blast on the strip. Okay. So this was fun. You, you heard in that passage, if a man of peace is there. I don't know how familiar you are with this, but this is what Jesus told them to go look for when they went out into the harvest. You come to a home, and a man of peace is there. Um, speak peace into that home. And stay there. Don't move around from house to house. Let these be your partners. 
scripturally from examples in the Bible, a person of peace is someone who is open and receptive to the messenger. Then they demonstrate that they're open and receptive to the message, and then they're open and receptive to the mission that that messenger is on. And so in Acts, you'll, you'll read about the Philippian jailer or Lydia. You know, you'll see examples of persons of peace who were lost when they were first met, became saved, wanted to introduce the, uh, the messengers to everybody they knew, churches got planted, that kind of thing. Well, that's what happened here. I went to this place with one other national, and it turned out that this young man, 16 years old, had had a, a really bad soccer accident, and he wasn't going to be able to get out of bed for about two months, really torn up muscles. Well, his mom had been praying for the husband for years. They hadn't seen she and her son at church for a while, so they're kind of wondering what was going on. What just ended up being that they had, they'd almost given up on dad slash husband. Um, but it turns out when we arrived there, for whatever reason, the Lord had made him receptive. You guys realize that nobody comes into the kingdom because you twist their arm or nag them or try to persuade them with your words. The Holy Spirit regenerates a person, gives them new life when they put their faith and trust. It's something that, in Christ, it's something that only he can do. Well, I, I walked in the house and my eyes were blessed and I became gracious, you know, just very, very grateful because he was ready. Well, who made his heart ready? The Spirit of God makes a person's heart ready. We also read that in order for the Father to be seen, the Son reveals him to us. Yeah. And what Jesus was trying to tell them, there are certain things that only God can do, and I'm going to show you what I mean, and you're going to be overwhelmingly grateful for the rest of your lives. He came to Christ that day and said, I hope that I would be found worthy to have my home be a church someday. Well, we didn't suggest that. That wasn't our idea. Where, where did that come from? I'm telling you, folks, the things I'm most grateful for are the things we get to see God do that are his idea, his promises, his design. Again and again, that's what we saw happen there. And he's got Jose. Jose's church is a block from his house. So that's pretty exciting. There was a man of peace there. Okay. We had the opportunity to see harvest. The kingdom of God has come near to you from verse 9. A lot of times we'd walk up to a home and, and most of the homes are gated. They have fences either made from bamboo or metal. And a lot of that has to do with crime. Crime, especially later at night. There are a lot of little people disappearing with sex trafficking. Um, because of the pandemic, a lot of jobs went away forever. The, the economy is just in dire straits there. So they're a little nervous when they see people come to the door. But that's Norice on the right. And we're sharing the gospel, the simple gospel. What we do when we train a team is we teach them how to build and tell their story and we have them role play that. It's so much fun to see people who've known each other all their lives who've never shared their story before because they didn't know how. And they're role playing together and they get all giddy and excited because they didn't know that about each other's background. So it's very gratifying to see people get equipped to go tell. Then they become eager to do it. Then we show them two or three different ways of sharing the gospel. Of course, friendship evangelism is, that's something I'm going to tell you about in a minute. 
but, but this is very confrontational. We're out on streets, we're knocking on doors and watching the Spirit of God move in hearts and, and give them brand new life in Christ. When you see that, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see it, but when you see it, your heart goes crazy with gratitude. Look at what I get to see. How on earth am I ever going to get to explain this back at home? How am I going to do it in a way that, uh, you know, somehow makes any sense to people? Okay. Same things happen in here. Go ahead. That's my little brother on the left. They had some people come out of a store. The one who listens to you listens to me. He and his buddy Bill with Karina in the middle had the opportunity to see that group of people just changed, you know, from death to life. How grateful those guys are. They're eager to come back, which was my prayer. Okay. Uh, we had the opportunity to, to be interviewed for a little local channel. And, uh, you know, just the fact that Americans were in town was a big deal. When you're a novelty, they'll give you these forums to get up and, and talk. And what the woman on the far right, the moderator, was saying, Stephen there is our interpreter, tell them, you know, what you love about Ecuador, why you're glad to be here, and what you're here doing. So we, we got the mic. We were able to get up there and talk about Jesus to everybody who was watching TV that day on this little channel. And this was done uh, actually in Jose's church. Okay. Pastor Juan and his wife are entrepreneurs. Um, he has a factory where he makes linens and toys and all kinds of things and buys other things that he resells. We're standing on a piece of land that he wants to dedicate as a camp so people can ha come have refuge and rest. So that's what we're doing. But then Pastor Juan said, come with me. There's some things I want to show you. And he took us to his factory. So Steve there is an attorney from Louisville, Kentucky. He's been coming with me for years. And the, the folks that are on their sewing machines are taking a break. And Steve is, Steve's a great guy. He's got this, it's a little hard for Ecuadorian interpreters to interpret for a southern man. So sometimes you need an extra interpreter in there. Oh, y'all, y'all seem so cool. Y'all have a lot of good old boys down here. Don, what did he just say? You know, so you have to try to train people not to do that, but do what? You know, and so that was Steve. Brilliant lawyer, but that's how they speak down there. So he's sharing the gospel with these people in the factory. And this is Juan's factory. Okay, so he's got a heart for the people who are working for him. Okay. This is one of his stores. You can see Juan there next to Steve. Product on the shelves. And these were real retail workers at the store. He's several stores in Puerto Viejo along with his factory. So he employs about 30 people, but his number one concern is to get a church started where these people can be a become a church family who come to know and love and glorify the Lord gratefully with their lives. Pastor Juan wants to come here with Jose and tell you about it. That's one of the things that I hope will happen here soon. It's a lot easier to bring folks here from Ecuador than from Russia right now. Okay. So... What are we doing here? Well, Pastor Jose's little daughter, Mimi, is eight years old, and she's taking martial arts, and she's a little evangelist. So she went to her sensei there on the right and said, there are some American, Americans coming. I don't know if any of them are athletes, but they'd like to come and, and talk to our group. And uh, he was very excited about that. So we got this invitation one night to go to Mimi's Martial arts class, and when, when the time came to share the gospel, 
they had the parents come down from the stands and file in behind the kids, and we got to share the gospel with everybody there. And once again, Lord, thank you for the way you make hearts fertile and receptive to the gospel. I don't see that much in Russia. Certainly haven't seen it much in Siberia, but here it's like low-hanging fruit that's ripe and ready to be picked. It's harvest time in Ecuador. And I'll tell you that it's not an unpleasant thing to see. Gives you a lot of gratitude. Okay. My brother Tim and his friend Bill spotted a police station. There been 479 cops in Ecuador killed this year through the terrorism that's going on there. Heightened cartel stuff. There are a lot of people from there that are coming this way right now, as you can imagine. And these guys have just a very dangerous job. So Tim and Bill asked Karina, could we go into the police station and just bless these guys? And Karina got a little afraid. So we're not doing anything illegal, are we? We're, you know, in Ecuador, it's not illegal to do what we're doing here at all. We're not breaking any laws. Who needs encouragement more than these cops? So they went inside, and of course, the cops didn't know what to make of it. You know, they were kind of confused by it all. But Tim and Bill prayed with them and encouraged them, let them know that God loved them that he had sent Jesus to rescue them from far, far more of their need for safety on the streets of Port of Viejo. And once again, we had the opportunity to see harvest of people then who had to, had to go, had to get out there in harm's way. These are the kinds of things that God orchestrated when we were there. Okay. One of the things that I, I heard this morning from a couple of your people is that you love to have a culture here of discipleship and disciple-making, helping people become wholehearted. Uh, you know, it's been said that a disciple who's functioning in a healthy way is a person who has a world vision and a, wants to impact the world and be wholehearted for Christ. It involves your whole life, and it takes your whole life as you grow to maturity. You don't arrive at the point where I'm there. It just doesn't happen. So what we like to do we like to go in and talk with folks, it's, and, and all I explain is what Randy did for me, pretty much. And we talk about four things. We talk about your concept of God. Is your concept of God that God is great and majestic and awesome and he takes your breath away? Or is your God kind of small and kind of ho-hum and you're kind of lukewarm right now? That's natural. Can something be done about that? Yep, something can be done about that. Let's talk about that I'll show you. Number two is growing your roots deep into a love relationship with God. We ask men a lot of times, where's your love on a scale of 1 to 10? Maybe about 2.9 on a good day. And I know that's not right, but how do I get my love-o-meter going for God so I can love him with my all the way Jesus commanded? Can something be done about that? We help with that process. It, again, it takes time. The third thing is then you're ready to receive a Great Commission vision. You guys familiar with the Great Commission? Make disciples of all the nations, right? If you're going to care about that and involve yourself in a grateful way in the world, your, your view of God needs to be expanding and your love for God needs to be deepening all the time. Otherwise, you can know what the Great Commission is and it just isn't going to move you. So then, only then, we do the fourth thing and that's equip people with ministry tools and skills. And we help people, you know, go out and, and begin to fulfill what the Great Commission demands. So that's how we do discipleship training. Okay. That's Liz. Liz is from Torrance, California, and she was there doing some discipleship training with the group that she was responsible for. Okay.
That's Karina. We had just done some training on how to build your testimony and share it. She felt so moved by that that she grabbed our worksheet, hopped up there and repeated it with everybody and had them do it. That's the key to a church planning movement is when indigenous local leaders take the responsibility and they run with the ministry. It can't be dependent on outside missionaries. It, it doesn't work. Okay. Wonderful young guy, lost his job because of the pandemic. He's got a degree in architectural engineering, can't find work, so he wants to just follow Jesus right now, doesn't know what else to do. But this passage from Luke 10, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that your spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. So Alfredo here couldn't, his joy couldn't be contained. It, it oozed out all the time. He was always hugging, always shaking hands, always doing this thumbs up thing. And he wanted to explain what it was he was so grateful for even after losing his career due to pandemic loss. He made this little art project thing for me. You can switch. May the Spirit of God be with you on the journey, Alfredo. This is a gift that he made for me. On the left, he was talking about his life before. He's talking about his life and Christ on the right. And so he gives me these three pieces of paper. This is like, you know, one of those art projects my granddaughter does for me. It's one of those things you keep. You know, I was just so happy for Alfredo. And we're looking forward to pouring into this young man's life more and more. God's really going to use him. Okay. Pastor Dom, diga otra vez. Uno, dos y tres. Pastor Dom. Denle un aplauso a Dios. Denle un aplauso, un aplauso. Vamos, fuerte, fuerte. Con la mano hacia arriba, arriba, arriba de la mano, arriba. Eso. God bless you, Pastor Dom. Pastor Dom. Okay. Those kids are meeting in Pastor Jose's house. They have a little children's ministry there. And once again, I want you to understand how grateful I am to you. We can't go to places like this, buy the airline tickets, uh, have resources for them when we get there, when we see need, equip leaders and workers for the harvest without the kind of prayerful, encouraging, and financial help you guys provide. Very grateful for that. Jose there is, um, is just expressing that gratitude. I just got that a few days ago. It's just a very sweet gesture on his part. I guess I'm not really doing a headlock on these kids. But uh, they ran up to me uh, one night when we were doing some ministry at an outdoor concert. And, and they're the ones who were right in front of me who were spinning. And they spotted me and come running over and let me give them a big hug. And my last slide here, last one. This is, uh, this is the measure of the gratitude that our friends in Ecuador want to express to you guys. Um, they don't know who you are, but they certainly are hoping to come and visit sometime and share their own hearts with you. They're standing there, you know, making these big hearts for us as we're in line getting our boarding passes for our flight home. <clears throat> and uh, this is last key point. Turning to the disciples, he, Jesus said privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see for I say to you that many prophets and kings wished to see the things which you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. Can you imagine before Christ came that there were kings and prophets that were anticipating the Messiah's coming, 
that they would redeem Israel, that they would come and establish the kingdom of God on earth, those kinds of things. But here you see 70 that went out and came back, and they're having the debrief meeting to end all debrief meetings. They're talking about what they got to see. Even the demons were subject to us. Uh, It's just amazing what we had the opportunity to see God do. And then what Jesus is saying to them is, please don't rejoice so much in those signs and wonders that you've seen me do. Because there's something greater that I'd never want you to forget and that's going to produce more gratitude in your life than anything. Rejoice in the fact that your name is recorded in heaven. That's what Jesus tried tried to explain to them. Whenever you have a chance to go out and be used by the Lord someplace, rejoice in that. But there's something greater, and that's you're a beloved son, a beloved daughter that God delights in. You're daughters and sons of the King of Kings. And the Father loves you so much that Christ's redemptive work made you his forever. Your names are written in that book, and nothing can remove it. That's the thing to rejoice in most. God help us to never be ungrateful, right, for such a thing. And uh, that's probably the key lesson as we debriefed together with my team. We had the opportunity to talk about these things with churches and family and with one another and then be reminded of what it was that gave us the opportunity to be used in the first place by the Lord to do this stuff. And so, uh, you guys, praise be to God. Thank him. Once again, I thank you. And uh, pray, Lord God, for an attitude of gratitude to sweep over this place. Asking you, Father, to help us take full measure of what it is that you've done for us that should cause us to overflow thanksgiving, gratitude, happiness in our spirits. We do long to see you working as you redeem people from the nations to yourself. But let us be reminded as we see those things that there are kings and prophets that wished to see them but never did. But we do. But what you're doing for them, Lord God, is simply turning them into sons and daughters too. What's happening to them is the greatest miracle you do on earth today. Apply gospel power, the power of the cross, to take people who are without hope and without Christ in the world and make them yours. Let us rejoice and be grateful for that today. Thank you so much, Father, for these dear partners, these dear friends who have been so faithful over the years. So uh, just accept, Lord, my, uh, my personal thanks for them. I just love them so much. Great, grateful to have the chance to share with them today. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.